Thank you, dear Father. Thank you for all your goodness. You're so good to us. For the Lord, he's good and his mercy endures forever. Thank you, dear Father, for where you brought us to. We're so grateful to be here. Thank you for where we are in the kingdom, where we are in Christ. Thank you for where we are in your word. Thank you, Father, for where we're going. Thank you. Thank you. The pathway, the, the, the rails are laid out in front of us. Thank you for where you're taking us. No, it's not over. It's not done. It's just begun. In the kingdom, in the church world, in our lives. Thank you, Father. In America, we haven't seen anything yet. We're just so convinced, dear Father. We have a knowing in our knower. Yes, yes, yes. Way down deep in our knower. The, the, the handwriting's on the wall. That it's, a, <clears throat> it's a, you save the best for last. Yeah. And we're grateful for it, dear Father. So thank you. Our heart cry, Lord, that we've heard so many times and we've prayed so many times is, Lord, what we don't know, teach us. What we haven't seen, show us. What we haven't heard, speak to us. Prepare us, O Lord, for that which you've prepared for us. For the best, the greatest, the strongest, the most powerful, the most productive is just out ahead of us. There shall come a great outpouring of the rain. The rain will produce a great move of the Spirit of God, which will bring in a harvest. And the harvest, when that, come, when that comes in, that will bring Jesus back. We'll all get caught away and we'll fly away, O glory. And we thank you. But ere Jesus comes back before he returns, we're just convinced, Father, that the church will see the greatest move the church has ever seen. Signs and wonders and miracles greater than they saw back in the days in Egypt. Greater than they've seen in the healing revival, the Pentecostal outpouring, the charismatic move. We thank you, Father. you've, You've saved the best for last and you've given us the privilege to live in the last. And we're grateful. Hallelujah. And you're raising up an army. Not spectators, but doers. Not an army of folks that just go to church and watch what happens, but those that go and learn what happens and go behind the scenes and not just see what you do, but see how you do it. Lord, just not, just not just show us your works, but teach us your ways. And we thank you for it, dear Father. And even as the uh, theme of this meeting is impartations, Lord, we trust you. We trust you to make impartations into our lives. Lord, we trust you that no matter what we see, hear, touch, feel in the services, we're all taking something home with us. We're going home as the wise men did that came to Jesus. The Bible said they went home another way. We're going home another way. And we thank you for it, dear Father. You're preparing us for what's out ahead. And we thank you. Now we do trust you tonight, dear Father, for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Give us the right words to say. Lord, not our will, but yours be done. Thy will be done, O Lord, on earth, in this house, in this church, in our lives, the same as it always is in heaven. And we trust you for it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it's good to see everybody again tonight. Good to be back. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, things do work on a saturation basis. I've noticed that over the years. Um, You know, you can go go have a good time in a service. You can have a great time. God comes, you can have a great time anytime. But I've noticed a lot of times God does things on on a saturation basis. You know, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Everything seems to be on a saturation basis. And, uh, you know, and you look in the, in the uh, book of Acts, it says, And they're all filled with the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2. The word filled means to be imbue, imbued, which I read that in the 
Strong's Concordance, that didn't help me a bit. I didn't know what imbued was. So I got a dictionary out. and <laughs> Imbued means to be permeated or saturated. You look all through the book of Acts and they kept getting They got saturated on the day of Pentecost, but on the, that's the second chapter. By the fourth chapter, they got together. Peter and John returned to their own company after they were commanded to preach and teach no more in the name of Jesus. Returned to their own company. Reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard that, they lifted their voice to God with one accord. Said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and seen all that in them is. And they begin to magnify God. Now verse 23 says, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where the... We, we think it's amazing when somebody shakes. You wait until the people stop shaking and the buildings start shaking. And it's not an earthquake. When they'd finished praying, the place where they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost began to speak the word of God with boldness. Well, you know, well, they already got filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, there's one filling, but a lot of, there's one initial filling, but a lot of refillings. Or you could say there's always room for another saturation. So I believe we got tonight and we got tomorrow morning. We got tomorrow night. I believe by the time we finish up here tomorrow night, we will be able to say, I have got a good saturation. But saturation, I notice it kind of goes on a progressive kind of a thing. So anyway, uh, let's go back and start in. Let's go back and start at Romans chapter 1 again. <laughs> Just kind of a kicking off place. Romans chapter 1. Paul writing here to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 1 verse 7. He says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. So I'm so glad he didn't, he didn't have a caste system. He didn't say, well, this isn't for everybody. This is not, you know, heard a fellow one time. He was, a friend of mine had a guy preaching in his church and and uh, they were talking after service, and the guy said, Well, what I preach isn't for everybody. He said, If it's not for everybody, let's shut the meeting down. Because the Bible does say, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to... If, it doesn't, if it's not for everybody, it's not the gospel. So anyway, I think they shut it down. But anyway, anyway... <laughs> We find here he's not, he's not talking about a, you know, a particular caste system that only works for a certain elite group of people. You know, the special forces in the kingdom. Are, no. He says, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith spoken of throughout the whole world. For God's my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Now verse 10, making a request. What, Paul, you, you notice that? He says, I, without ceasing I make mention of you in my prayers. Pretty good deal. Paul, he'd not only start the church, he'd just, he'd just keep them saturated in prayer. Amen. But then he goes on and says, now in verse 10, he says, uh, he says, making request. Well, what are you praying, Paul? I'm making a request. Isn't it interesting? One of the things he kept praying about... Cease, uh, without ceasing, he said, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. He just kept praying, I want to go see those Romans. I want to go see the, I want to go see the Roman Christians. I want to, God, I want to go, but I want to go in the will of God. I want to go in your time. I want to go in your plan. I, I want to go when you're with me. You know, I know you're always with me in presence. I want you to go with me in your plan. And he said, he kept praying that. He said, making request now if by any means at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Now verse 11, go, oh, Paul, why do you want to get to them? Why do you want to get to them? 
You know, you want to have a book signing party? Or, I mean, what, 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 do you, what are you going to do there, you know? What, why do you want to go see these? It's, you're going to have to travel. It's going to take a trip. And travel's a little, you know, a little different than it was back then. Even if you got the fastest donkey in the land, it's going to take a while to get some places. And he says, I want to see you. I longed, I'm praying that I can get there. And I long to see you. Why? That I may impart. He says, I want to get to you, not because I want to get something, I want to get to you because I want to give you something. Good. The heart of a true apostle right there. The heart of a true apostle is I want to get to you because I want to give you something. Amen. Technically, that ought to be the heart of any minister of the gospel. Right. Technically, that ought to be the heart of any believer. <laughs> I want to get to you, not because I want to get something from you. I want to get to you because I want to get something to you. I believe in the law of seed, time, and harvest. If I can get something to you, God will get down the road somewhere and He'll make sure something comes back at me. The heart of a Christian is a heart to serve and bless. More blessed to give than it is to receive. So anyway, He said, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Some supernatural spiritual endowment, some, make a little plainer, some dose of the Holy Ghost. There's a song, just one dose of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to have mercy on you and I'm not going to sing it to you. (laughs) That's not my gift. Not even close. But there's just one dose of the Holy Ghost is not enough for me. Yeah. You know, that ought to be, our, that ought to be our, our lifestyle. But he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you. I may impart to you, may pass on something. I may, uh, I may be able to have something that i got working in me and pass it on to you. Now, again, like we said last night, no human has the capacity to say, well, i got a bag full of gifts over my shoulder. I'm going to go to Rome and I'm going to give some people gifts and I'm going to give some people good ones and I'm going to give some people medium ones. And see, if we had the capacity to give people gifts, we'd find our best friends and give them the best gifts. And we'd find our worst enemies and we'd give them a lump of coal. And, you know, we'd... Now, I know you wouldn't. Don't look at me that way. But see, we're, we're, you know, even though we'd like to say we act like God, probably down the road, we wouldn't always act like God in being no respecter of persons. So if we had the capacity to say, I'm going to go pass out gifts and I'm going I'm to give everybody what I think they need. See, you can't do that. God didn't put that in anybody's, uh, in anybody's decision-making process. So what Paul's saying is, I, want, I long to see you because I want to impart to you some spiritual gift. To the end you might be established. In other words, only God, by the Holy Ghost, only God knows what it is that He wants to put deposit into your life that you don't have work in there already. There's all, you know, I've had people say to me, well, either you got the Holy Ghost or you don't. Well, if I do, then you don't. <laughs> Think about that one. Well, either you have the Holy Ghost, He's a person, either God, if He's just a person, then only one person can have Him. No, the Holy Ghost, remember the day of Pentecost said the Holy Ghost was poured, uh, he, poured he said, I will pour out of my Spirit. He didn't say, I'll pour my Spirit out, He said, I'll pour out of my Spirit. That means He poured out on the day of Pentecost, but there's a lot more to pour out. Yeah, We've had regular outpourings of the Holy Ghost since mm-hmm. Pentecost. We've had the healing revival, the Azusa revival, the joy revival, the healing revival. We had all kinds of, those are outpourings of the Spirit of God. So anyway, so um, he says, um, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to the end you might be established or made steady, made ready to, in other words, you, you'll be more, more stalwart. You'll be more stable. Yeah. You know, wouldn't that, isn't that wonderful that God's got ways to make us more stable in the body of Christ? Okay. We don't have to be wishy-washy. We don't have to be up and down like a yo-yo, a roller coaster. No, we can be more stable. And, of course, the Word of God always does that. But let's take every blessing we can get to make us more stable. 
He says, I long to see that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to the end you might be established, made, made, made to stand. In the days to come, I believe God's raising up an army of steady believers, special forces group, ragtag remnant of half crazy people that will go out and obey God, not afraid of men, not afraid of devils, not afraid of governments, not afraid of anybody, not, not afraid of anything. Okay? And, and our feet are planted on rock, solid, you know, my, Got our face set like Flynn. Okay, so, so anyway, Paul says, I want to see you that because I want to impart something to you. The, to the end, you might be established. So anyway, so, so Paul's writing this, and as we said last night, just real quickly, as we said last night, um, if, if, just writing a, if, if just writing a good book is going to be everything somebody needs, then Paul just did that. He just wrote what we call the book of Romans. It was this amazing letter to the church at Rome. And if that's all you needed, Paul would have said, this is all you need. Read it over and over and over and over and over. Read it once a day for the next 20 years and you'll be just fine. But even though he sent that to him, he said, even though I've sent you this amazing letter inspired by the Holy Ghost, even though I've done that, I still want to get to see you because there's some things I can do face to face that I can't do in a letter. Amen. Thank God for letters. Yeah. You know, thank God for what we've got today with the media. We've got, uh, we've got internet. We've got live streaming. We've got, you know, TV church. We've got, we got everything. Thank God for every bit of it. But I'll tell you, you cannot replace some things God can do face to face. You just can't do it. That's what Paul was saying to us. So anyway, so we're, so we're talking about impartations. That's kind of where this, this uh, uh, three-day meeting is, is headed. Talking about impartations or deposits of the Holy Ghost. And, and uh, you know, and God, last night God was doing that. This morning God was doing that. There's a, a wonderful presence that came in this morning. And, and the Holy Ghost was making deposits. Somebody goes, well, I don't feel anything. You don't have to feel it. You just hide and watch because it'll show up. It's like, you know, something on the inside working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Sometimes you got to get it deposited on the inside and then let it, let it radiate its way to the outside. So anyway, in talking about impartations, God, did, he's done that all through the scriptures. You can see where he made impartations, deposits into people's lives. Um, you know, for instance... Um, you know, you go back through, God to do things, uh, the 11th chapter of the book of Numbers. Moses, like we said last night, Moses was saying, I got a church of 3 million. Imagine a church of 3 million people and not one of them born again. Wow. <laughs> that is a tough life. He said, God, you give me a church of 3 million. What did I do to deserve this? Okay. And tech, God, this is, there is such a load and I'm trying to take care of all this. And everybody wants, I feel like a piece of meat. Everybody wants a chunk. And I'm telling everybody, and God, God, I'll tell you, do me a favor here. Just kill me. Just kill me. <laughs> Put me out of everybody's misery. God says, no, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to, I'm going to have you get the 70 that you prove, you perceive to be the, 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 the strongest leaders you've got. Get them together. I'm going to come down and talk with you. When I do, I'm going to take part of what's on you. And I'm going to take part of the spirit. We'd say the anointing that's on you. And I'm going to deposit it on all them. And they're going to pick up the load. Instead of one of you do it, there's going to be 71 of you doing it. God showed empowerment by delegation. But he did it by the anointing of God. Deposits, impartations. Well, he, God can do that just by his presence. I mean, you just, I, I, like I said, man, I, I go to meetings, I plan to get something. I don't care if they have a laying on a hand service. I don't care if they preach, prophesy, cast out devils, speak with new tongues. I don't care what they do. I'm getting something to take home. If there's an ounce of presence, I'm going to suck it out of the atmosphere and take it home with me. I'm going to get something. 
Because I don't know about you, I need all I can get, and I get all I need. Yeah, that's right. But, but if you go through, God, God is so big on getting impartations into people's lives. You go back through, and, and like, for instance, there's another way God can do that. We'll kind of launch off in another direction here now. Another way God makes impartations, <clears throat> another thing probably most of us are a little more familiar with, is if you go back to 1 Kings 17th chapter, you got a prophet named Elijah. Okay? Um, probably the most famous prophet uh, in the Old Testament that we see back there. And, um, and we, you know, we see how God used him and, and he, called down the, he called down a drought and then he called down the rain and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, he, uh, he gets to this place a little further on. He's done everything he knows to do. He's called fire down. He's called the fire that came down and it licked up the sacrifice and the wood and the altar. And, and the whole nation of Israel fell on their faces and they began to worship God. And he changed the course of a nation. Amen. And then he took all of uh, Jezebel. She's kind of a bad lady. He took all of her false prophets and prophets of Baal, about 750. Can you imagine 750 false prophets in one nation and prophets of Baal? He decided, let's just unplug the psychic network and do it all at once, okay? <laughs> so he went and rounded up and rounded up all the false prophets and prophets of Baal, and he took them down by the river, and he relieved them of their heads. <laughs> he unplugged the network. <laughs> <clears throat> and so, of course, now Jezebel, she's mad because she can't get false words from false prophets anymore. And so she gets so mad, she says, I'm going to get him. He killed all my false prophets. I'm going to get him if I don't. I'll tell you, by tomorrow at this time, I'm going to have his head off his shoulders. Right. Well, now, you know, he's, 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 had a, he's had a three and a half year great run. I mean, he's, he's called down fire. He's called down rain. He's outrun the king's chariots 14 miles across the plains to the entrance of Jezreel. Jezreel. I mean, he's, he has been having a good run. Okay. And all of a sudden, he can, outrun the, the, he, can, he can outrun the king's chariots and horses. But when Jezebel said, I'm going to get you, he took off running without the hand of the Lord on him. And he, he ran in the flesh. Ran out and he fell down under a tree and then he got to praying to die. Right. Yeah. He, said, he said, oh Lord, just let me die. I'm no better than my father's. Oh God, just let me die. You know, so God says, no, we got a better idea. Had an angel come and give him a piece of cake and some water. Gave him a meal. Did it again. He had two meals. And then the Bible said he went 40 days in the strength of that food. He went about 180 miles. How, how far would we go to get in the presence of God? He traveled 180 miles. <clears throat> he went 40 days in the strength of the food. Okay, went to the mount. <clears throat> and when he did, when he went to the mount, he, he goes up and he goes up into a cave. And long story short, God uh, starts speaking to him. So what are you doing here? He says, oh, and he starts explaining what he's doing. And uh, God spoke to him and he said, go anoint this one to be king over this nation. Go anoint this one to be king over this nation. And go anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel Mahola. It's hard to get that one out. Go anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel Mahola to stand in your room or to take your place. Isn't it interesting when he got the most discouraged was when he's about to step into the most important part of his ministry when he raised up his successor. If he'd have died when he wanted to, he would not have left a successor back there to pick up the mantle and do twice the miracles. Amen. So anyway, his most discouraging, his most um, depressing, his most aggravating, his, his worst time in ministry was just before he stepped into the greatest flow he had in his entire life. 
That's good preaching. Anyway, <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> so he, so he, God tells him, he says, go anoint this one, go anoint this one, and go anoint this one. So he goes and he finds Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel, of Ahola. He's not, he, he's not in the school of the prophets. He's not in the Bible school. He's, out, he's got a farming operation. He's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He with the 12. He's just plowing away. Elisha comes over there and he throws his mantle on him. Now there's a whole message in there. The, the, the prophet's mantle was a picture of the prophet's anointing. The priest had a linen ephod. The king, you'd pour oil on him. But the prophet, it was a mantle. It was a, it was a cloak, okay? And so Elijah goes over, he runs up behind him. The guys, he's just out there sweating. He's out there, you know, plowing, you know, not, he's 12 yoke of oxen. He with the 12th. Elijah runs up behind him and throws his mantle on him. We've got to understand that, that mantle, that prophet's mantle is a picture of the prophet's anointing. Yeah. So all of a sudden, the guy's just, all of a sudden, he's, he's plowing and all of a sudden, he's seeing and knowing and he's having visions and revelations of the Lord. He's walking in the prophet's office and all of a sudden, he's, he's, he's standing in this place of a prophet in the Old Testament, and then Elijah grabs it and he takes it back, puts it back on. <laughs> Elijah's going, "What was that? What was that?" <clears throat> and he says, "All he knew was whatever that was. I can't, I can't settle in my life for anything different. I've had a dose of what God has for my life. Sometimes God will give a person a little dose of what He's got for their life, so they'll never settle for anything any less. So he, you know, so he takes the oxen and he." Kills him, and they have a big feast for all the staff, and he, you know, and, and and so then he just leaves, and he goes with Elijah. I'm getting somewhere with this. He goes with Elijah, and he's he he's in the helps ministry for 15 years. Things take time, take time. This is not an instant deal. He's in the helps ministry. He's washing Elijah's donkey. He's carrying his suitcases. You know, he's he's waxing his car. He's doing all, you know he's doing all this stuff. Taking care of Elijah. What's he doing? And he's watching that mantle for 15 years. He's watching the man, but he's watching the mantle. Yeah, yeah. He's watching the man, but he's watching how the man walks with the mantle. He's watching how the man walks with the things of God. 15 years he's serving the man of God. Finally, you know, um, Elijah says to him, Well, you've been faithful, and I'm about to leave. What do you want? You want riches? You want fame? You want me to introduce you to kings? What do you want? He says, All I want is a double portion of the anointing that's on you. Isn't that interesting? Could have had wealth, could have had fame, could have had fortune. Could have, he said, all I want is I want a double portion of the spirit that's on you. I want a double portion of your anointing. Yeah. Now, think about this. <clears throat> when Elijah goes, Elisha is already going to be walking. He's going to step into that place and be the major leading prophet in the land. Remember, God said, go anoint Elisha to stand in your room. He's going to walk in that place. He's been preparing for 15 years. He's going to walk in that place. But he wasn't ready to stop there. He said, no, I don't just want to walk in that place. I want a double portion of what's on you. He said, well, you've asked a hard thing. But he said, I'll tell you what, if you see me when I go, you'll get it. So now Elisha's on him like a coat of paint. I mean, he, is not, he sleeps with one eye open. I'm telling you, I'm not leaving this guy. I don't know when he's leaving, but when he leaves, I am going to see him go. And then, of course, we know the story. The, you know, the, he took his mantle and he, he smote the waters. He split the Jordan. What goes over on the other side? Here comes the chariot of fire. And he steps into that chariot of fire and away he goes. And as he's leaving, he throws his mantle over the side. Yeah. Elijah, Elisha doesn't go, oh, where'd he go? Where'd he go? He says, I don't care where he went. I'm just looking for the mantle. 
said he was going. He went and he walked over, picked up the mantle and see he'd been watching it for 15 years. So he knew what to do with it. He just walked back over, wrapped it up, walked back to the Jordan, hit the waters and it split hither and thither. That's King James for both directions. (laughs) And he walked through on dry ground and he got to the other side and all the schools of the prophets said the the spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. He didn't have to tell anybody who he was. He didn't have to tell anybody what he's anointed to do. He didn't have to tell anybody the office he walked in. He just started obeying God and everybody started telling him who he was. But anyway... Anyway, why did we go there? Well, the reason we went there is because he's already going to step into that place, but he's looking for an increase. So what did God do? He set him up with an association. His association with Elijah put him into a place where he could get a double portion. He's already going to step in that place no matter what happens, but by his associating, he gets a double portion. God will make deposits in our lives sometimes by associations. Sometimes when God will connect us with people and there's certain things that will get off on us, doesn't mean if you, doesn't mean if you walk, you know, next to a prophet for a week, you're going to be a prophet. No, it doesn't mean you get the gift. It just means that God will sometimes use that gift and make, and he'll deposit certain things in your life. It's not through laying out of hands. It's not through presence. It's through association. Okay. Now I didn't know this. I'm just getting to where I kind of know it now, but I really didn't know all this. But <laughs> I remember, uh, uh, again, we've talked a couple last night and this morning. We, we made different comments about uh, probably most everybody in here knows, knows who Brother Hagen was. Well, he is. He's just on the other side now. Uh, Kenneth E. Hagen. And uh, God connected your pastors and, and Janet and me, connected us with Brother Hagen many years ago now. And... Um, um, Janet and I had the privilege to, to work for him. She was in the music group, and I was on the crusade team, the travel team. And, and uh, <clears throat> so up until the time we got married, and then we launched out on our own. But, um, you know, uh, there's, there's another young man and myself. We, we went to work for Brother Hagen. We were the entire crusade team. We had his entire ministry in the back of an old Ford station wagon. <laughs> Suitcases, books, tapes, sound system, everything. Our luggage, I mean, an old Ford station wagon. We're, we're out setting meetings up for him. <clears throat> and so the other fella, he wanted to run the prayer rooms. When Brother Hagen would have people come up to get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, he wanted to run the prayer rooms. Well, he had to have two people working. One had to run the prayer rooms, and while they're in the back in the prayer room, leading people into spiritual, you know, blessings, whether it's getting saved or backsliders coming back or getting filled with the Holy Ghost. But Brother Hagen needed somebody to work with him in the prayer lines, healing lines. Well, I, you know, all I knew is all I had in my heart was, yeah, you take that, <clears throat> you take the prayer rooms. That's great. I just want to get up there. I want to get. I want to get by the spot where the glory comes out. <clears throat> I don't know why. I don't even, I have no idea why, but something in me, knowing in my knower, I said, this works out great. You go to the other room and and get folks saved and filled, which is, you know, technically the most important. But I just want, I just wanted to get out there and work in those. I've been in meetings during those times for a number of years. I had the privilege to be Brother Hagin's catcher. (laughs) Said last night, why do you need a catcher? If you're in the spirit, you won't get hurt. Most people aren't totally in the spirit. I've seen a lot of people bounce. But anyway, <clears throat> so anyway, so I was out there and, and man, we'd have two, three, four hundred people sometimes in a night. And he's laying hands on everybody and, and he'd give the invitation. They'd all go to the prayer room and then he'd give the invitation for people to come up and get ministered to for healing. And, <clears throat> and he'd, he'd always start out 
in, in his healing uh, lines, he'd start out and he'd say, uh, he'd say something to the effect of, Now, Lord, as we lay our hands on these folks, uh, by the direction of the head of the church, the church, the Lord Jesus, and by the law of contact and transmission, the contact of uh, my hands transmits God's healing virtue into them to effect a healing and a cure from the... He'd, he'd go through this whole this, this prayer every time. Every time. Okay? <clears throat> and and he'd, he'd talk about this tangible anointing. And he talked about how in 1950, he was in a meeting, and he got caught up to the throne of God. Jesus said, come up, come up, come up to the throne of God. Caught up in a vision, got up, went up to the throne of God, and said, Jesus said, hold out your hands. And he took the finger of his right hand, and he put them in the palms of each one of Brother Hagin's hands. And he said, they began to burn like fire. He said, I've called you, I've anointed you, and I've given you a special anointing to minister to the sick. Well, of course, I'm hearing this every night for like years. Yeah. Okay, and so he talked about this anointing. Well, I got to work in the prayer lines where he's laying hands on people. Every believer ought to lay hands on people to get them healed. Mark 16, every believer ought to be laying hands on sick people to get them healed. I'll say it again. Every believer, if you got hands, you ought to be using them. Every believer. Every believer ought to find sick people and say, I'm a believer and I will lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. And God, somebody goes, well, what if they don't get healed? Well, what if they do? Yeah. Well, what if they don't? Ruin my reputation. No, your reputation's already ruined. <clears throat> don't let that bother you. Jesus made himself of no reputation. I decided to join his team. I don't got a reputation. Got used to have one. Thank God I lost it. I had a reputation. It was not a pretty one. <clears throat> so I'm not out looking to get another one. Amen. So anyway, so there's every believer ought to lay hands on the sick and see him get healed. But there's a, what, what uh, we see as a special anointing. It's a, it's a tangible, perceptible to the touch anointing of God. Sometimes, it'll, sometimes you don't feel it at all. But boy, sometimes it'll feel like fire. Sometimes it'll feel like a bolt of lightning hitting you. Sometimes it'll just feel like a warm glow that'll go through your body. It's a tangible thing. Okay. Well, so I'm, I'm spending a couple of years, I'm working with Brother Hagan, and I'm, I'm watching him. And I tell you, over a couple of years, I saw, I saw people come in. I, I saw people come in with multiple sclerosis come up in a wheelchair. And they just turn around, roll them back out, you know. And I'd, three nights later, I'd see him come in the meeting, come walking in the back door, perfectly healed. I saw blind eyes open. I saw deaf ears open. I saw devils cast out. Real devils, real devils with real... <laughs> <clears throat> I've seen the make-believe ones, okay? <clears throat> and I, we haven't got time to go there. But anyway, but, you know, I, we've all seen, maybe you haven't, if you haven't, you're really blessed. But, you know, I came through, I've, I've come through a couple moves in the past 45 years where, you know, you got these people that are, well, anyway. Anyway, but, I, it's, I, I, but I've seen the real thing. I've watched it. I've seen people get their lives instantly turned around. I've seen, people, I've seen people get healed of every manner of sickness and disease. I've seen deaf ears open instantly, blind eyes open instantly. I've seen people in wheel get up, uh, walk out. Of, I've seen people get up, get up and run out of wheelchairs. I've seen people get up off stretchers. I've seen people healed of all kinds of things. And I watched that tangible anointing. Yeah. Okay? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. This, I, I love my job. I said, God, I have, a, I have a special request. Can I do this the rest of my life? This is all I want to do. I want to take care of Brother Hagan. I want to carry suitcases. I want to wash and wax his car. And I want to work in his prayer line. That's all I want out of life. That's all I want. That's all I want to do. <clears throat> so anyway, of course, that didn't go that way. But, 
But, um, you know, but I didn't realize in, in all that, I'm not, I'm not like a vulture looking to get something. Right. I'm just, I just love what I'm doing. Yeah. But I remember we were in a meeting in Houston one time. Brother Hagin was ministering to the sick. And, and um, he, uh, there's a lot of people. He'd laid hands on a lot of people. It's pretty draining over, you know, three, four, five hundred people. All of a sudden, Brother Hagin, you know, and every now and then he'd, he'd say, okay, I'm, I'm done. No one's lifting off me. I'm going to, and he'd call one of the pastors or ministers off the front row. He'd say, you come up here and, and, and finish this up. You go ahead and lay hands on the rest of them. You know, and, and so they'd do that. Well, one time, Brother Hagin, he says, uh, he says, uh, all right, I, I'm, I'm, the anointing's lifting off me. I'm tired. I, you know, you can't go past your body gets tired. It'll start to lift off you. Right. said, I, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm going to have to quit. Uh, he said, so. He says, no. He says, uh, Mark, come up here. That's me. <clears throat> he said, come up here. man. I went running up there. I thought, I'm going to catch somebody. And he says, uh, uh, he says, here, start laying hands on these people. I said, me? I'm, I'm the catcher. Uh, it's all, that's what I do. I am the catcher. <laughs> And he says, he turns and he says, now he says, Mark, he's been working for me for a couple of years. And he says, he's been hanging around. He says, he said, by, he, he said, that same anointing that's on me is on him. He's going to lay hands on you with the same anointing. It's gotten off on him now. And I'm going, it has. I hadn't, I had, I didn't have the foggiest idea. I had no idea what he's talking about. And he just turned and left. And I thought, I'm standing here with this line of people. They're looking at me like, what you going to do? And I'm saying, God, what am I going to do? I don't have it. I've never laid hands on people before. I, I've watched him. I just, I've watched the mantle. I just don't. So anyway, I started laying hands on people. The power of God moved in and people started getting healed. I thought, oh, this is wonderful. But I realized God can, he can pass things on by association. And that was so, that was probably 1978, something like that. Since 19, woo, we're a couple years down the road. And that still operates. <laughs> it still flows. If I just get talking about it, it'll start. I just didn't intend to go there, but you get talking, talking about it, and it'll, it'll, uh, it'll start to flow like that. Because there's an expectation that'll pull on that. But anyway, where was I? Anyway, um, anyway, okay, let's go a little further with this. So, um, so God can make deposits through impartation or impartations through just I'm getting back within a minute here <clears throat> make impartations through association like that. But the most common one, and you can follow along if you want, but if the most common one is if you go back into Numbers the twenty seventh chapter, yeah. God spoke to Moses and he said, uh, he said, uh, get Joshua, in whom is a man in whom is the Spirit, and put your hands on him. Put your hands on him. So Moses did that. Well, that's the 27th chapter of the book of Numbers. You get to the 34th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. And there's a verse at the very end of the chapter. It says, and Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. And all of a sudden you start seeing that, you know, yeah, some things can happen by association. Some can happen by presence. But the most common way God can make a connection to deposit things into our lives is through the laying out, laying out of hands. What's the most common way God can deposit healing into our bodies? Laying out of hands. What's the most common way he can get us filled with the Holy Ghost? Laying out of hands. What's the most common way he can separate a person into the ministry he's called him to? Laying out of hands. Okay. Man, you see that all through this. Can you imagine back there in the 10th, I think it's 10th, uh, 10th chapter of Mark's gospel, when they, all the children came to Jesus and the disciples started to run them off. And he said, oh no, don't you run these kids off. He started picking them up and putting his hands on them. Can you imagine what those kids must have grown up to be? 
Jesus laying his hands on the kids. I'll bet they went somewhere in life. But through the laying on of hands, God, God can, it's, it's again the law of contact and transmission. I like to look at it this way. Okay, I used to, I was a shade tree mechanic. I used to work on cars in the backyard, the garage, or wherever. Um, a few of them ran when I got done. And uh, so, so uh, but you know, you, you know, working on, uh, some of my cars were worse shaped than others. And, uh, but you know, it, you know, you go, get ready to go somewhere and the battery's dead. The battery's, you know, it's, it's, the juice is gone. Well, you don't throw the car out. Don't even throw the battery out. You just pull another good battery up and you just get some jumper cables that run between the batteries. And you take the juice out of a good battery and it'll run into the bad battery. And for long, you can get the thing started. I like to look at it the fact that the way God does this, sometimes we need all the juice He's got, and He's got all the juice we need, and sometimes He just needs some jumper cables. Sometimes He just needs a somebody to get in between through what's called the laying out of hands where He can deposit things into our lives. It isn't that somebody gives that to you. It's not that some person does that. No one person's going to heal your body. No one person's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. But we can be jumper cables in between so God can take what's in heaven and deposit it in somebody down here on earth. So, so, oh man, we could just go all over with this. Just through the laying out of hands. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I discovered a, uh, an author... Oh, 40-some years ago now, a man named John G. Lake. <coughs> uh, he'd been in South Africa, really was headed up a move of God in South Africa, and came back and he, to the States, and he moved to Spokane, Washington, started healing rooms up there. And um, in, in, uh, they had over 100,000 documented healings in a five-year period. Wow. Think about that. Yes. Think about that. Not just healings, but documented. That means the doctor said you were sick, and the doctor says you're not sick. That's documented. In a five-year period, they had over 100,000 documented healings in Spokane. Uh, the government even called it, at one point, the healthiest city in America. People came from all over America because, because the, they called him Dr. Lake, John Lake, because he'd, he'd tapped into some ways to see people healed in their bodies. He said, I watched God work in the States, but God sent me to South Africa so I could go behind the scenes and see how he did it. I saw not only his works, but I learned his ways. Well, so when I'm reading his books, and I'm reading about miracles, and, and I, it just messed me up. Because I said, God, you're not a respecter of persons. If we could have a ministry like this on the earth in the 30s and the 20s, whenever it was, you know, almost 100 years ago. If we could have that then, why can't we have ministries like that today? If you moved this way back then and you said, I'm the Lord, I change not. Why don't we see you move in the same way today? So I keep, so I start buying every book I could get by him. Okay. And I'm reading all these books. I still, my iPad's full of them. I've downloaded every book I can find. I go through and listen to the, actually read these books because I, I, I'm convinced what he walked in shouldn't be just one person, one generation. In fact, I had somebody tell me, an older gentleman told me one time. He said, you know, back in the days of John Lake and Smith Wigglesworth, I said, yeah. He said, you know, there wasn't just one John Lake and there wasn't just one Smith Wigglesworth. I said, really? He said, oh, no, there are lots of them. He said, he said the only difference was those two men had people that write it down, so we have it today. There are people that walk like that all over. He said, but we, there was somebody to write that down. That's why we know about them. So in other words, as God moves, write it down. Yeah. I said, huh, okay, that's a good idea. But, but he said, uh, anyway... So I started reading all these books. I thought, I want to see, I want to see what this man knew. Because if we could find out what he knew, then we can know the same thing. 
We can learn the same things, okay? So I'm, I'm reading all these books, and, and I see, I'm looking for secrets. Shouldn't be secrets, but I'm, he'd, every morning he'd get up, he'd get all dressed up, and he'd stand in front of the mirror, and he'd say, point at the guy in the mirror, that's him. He'd say, God lives in that man. God lives in that. He had a real consciousness of the fact God's not out here, up there, he's in here. God lives in that man. Where that man goes, God goes. He'd start his day out. Yeah. Start his day out saying, God lives in that man. Where that man goes, God goes with him. Okay. That's a starting point. And so anyway, so, so um, but he said, he'd, he'd been kind of a scientist of a sort in his earlier years. So he, he had a, a way of, of trying to um, uh, figure things out scientifically. And he said, he figured out, he said, I discovered that uh, electricity is God's power in the natural. The Holy Ghost is God's power in the supernatural. So in other words, some of the laws that would, that would govern electricity will govern the anointing of God. And he began to realize you don't control the Holy Ghost. But electricity, you can point it the right direction and it can bless folks. The Holy Ghost, you can learn to cooperate with and point in the right direction. It'll help folks. And he learned that, but he had a real consciousness of that. And I was reading one of his books and and he said he was uh, in a a real move of God in a church right outside Johannesburg, South Africa. And, you know, people coming in getting saved. People coming in getting healed. Some lady apparently got saved, and her husband, big guy, there's a lot of these big, uh, big Dutch people, big people, folks down there. And um, uh, there were farmers down that area at that time. In fact, still are now. But he said, uh, this one guy didn't like the fact his wife got saved. And he's going to take care of that. So he said, right during the meeting, he said, all of a sudden, the back door opened up, and this big guy comes walking right down the center aisle, right toward Lake. Well, what's he going to do? You know, you didn't have security teams back there. So Lake just, you know, he didn't like anybody interrupting his meeting. So he just, guy, he's, guy's coming, he looks like he's up to no good. He's coming up the aisle. So Lake just points his finger at him and keeps preaching. When he pointed his finger at him, the guy fell on the floor and laid there the entire service. Couldn't get up, stuck to the floor, glued down there. End of the service, they went, some of the ushers went back to help him, help him get up. They prayed with him to receive Jesus. And, um. Uh, they said, what happened? He said, I don't know. I came to destroy that man. I came to de- tear up the meeting. I came, to, I came to mess this meeting up. And he says, all I know is when that man pointed his finger at me, it felt like somebody shot me in the chest. He said, something hit me in the chest. I hit the floor and I've been laying there hearing everything he said the entire service. And he got, he got up and got born again. But Lake understood the tangibility of the anointing of God, that God can make deposits of his power into our lives and do all kinds of things. Lake had a healing line. I love this one. He had a healing, healing line in the service. And uh, he got people lined up here, you know, and he's laying hands on folks. And he started laying his hands on people. And, and uh, they weren't falling. They were flying. People were falling back through into the second row. They didn't just fall down. They went over the first row into the second row. He said, bodies were flying everywhere. They're getting healed, but, you know. He stopped. He said, Lord, what's going on here? They're, they're, they're not falling. They're flying violently back into the second row or third row. What's going on? He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, you're giving them too much. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day. He said, you're giving them too much. You're putting your hand on them. He said, don't give them so much. Just put one finger on them. So he backed up and he started putting one finger on them. And some of them were going down under the power of God, but they were just getting healed at one after another, after another, after another, after another. 
And it, because he understood God can make deposits into our lives. And this is not just some imaginary thing, laying empty hands on empty heads, as somebody said one time. This is trusting God by the Holy Ghost to make deposits into our lives, and He'll do it through the laying on of hands. He can do that. No human can control that, but we can get in the middle, and God can use a human, like a set of jumper cables, and He can deposit things into our lives. Lake went to somebody's house one time. And uh, this man had this large growth on his body. Horrible thing. It was taking the life out of him. And they'd have to pull this growth up and clean it out numerous times a day. Because if they didn't, it, they'd pull it up and there'd be maggots living under there. I mean, this thing is... I know it's gross. But anyway, but it was, it was, it was, it was eating this guy up. And they called Brother Lake and said, Would you come and pray for so-and-so? He said, Yes, I will. He went to the house, went in there. They took all the bandages off this with the huge growth. Took the bandages off. Lake walked over and he, and, he, and, he, and he put his hand on the top of that. And he said, I curse this thing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then he just turned and walked out. That's it. So they put the dressing back on. A couple hours later, they take the, took the dressing off to try to clean the thing. Said when they did, all of a sudden, Lake's must have been, phones must have been available back then. They called him up. And said, Brother Lake, Brother Lake. And he said, just slow down. I can't tell what you're saying. Slow it down. What is it? He said, you've got to come back and see this. What is it? He said, we took the bandage off. And he said, there's a handprint burned a quarter of an inch deep in that growth. And the thing's dead from the roots. It's drying up as we watch it. He said, so whatever you did when you put your hands on that, the fire of God went down in there and burned that thing. It's already a quarter inch deep. It's killed that growth on his body. He'll live and not die. So... So, so, I'm going I'm to tie into this, because a lot of you weren't able to be in the service this morning, I'm going to tie into something that Janet was ministering on. That was so good this morning. That was amazing. And, uh, but she's talking about this lady named Vicki Jameson. Vicki Jameson Peterson in, in her later years. But Vicki Jameson, she was the most elegant, crazy woman I've ever seen. <laughs> and I say that nicely. She was like our spiritual mama. And, uh, and, and Jen had a real, a real ongoing uh, mother-daughter, spiritually speaking, relationship with Vicki. And, and um, we, were, we, were, um, we were in a meeting. We did a meeting together with her. I won't, back, I won't rewind all that. But we had the privilege to do a meeting with her back probably in the, ooh, what would that have been, in the late, mid-90s, early 90s? mid-90s. We're in a, at a church in Lansing, Michigan. Up there, some friends of ours pastored this church. And they asked, they said, would you come just do a Holy Ghost meeting? So we went to do this meeting. We're doing morning and night for a week in this meeting up there, this church. And, and uh, so, um, <laughs> so uh, Vicki, she, she, she had this amazing anointing on her. Amazing miracles. You could go back and track it and see. She, well, I won't go into it. You could go on and on. Amazing miracles in her life, and uh, she she would um, she's we're, we're doing this meeting, and and like Janet was saying this morning, we you know she's she's up here, she's just sharing and you know just kind of exhorting and talking, you know, and and uh, you know she'd come by and she'd come by, and I'm sitting right on the end where Pastor Mark is. And she'd come by and she'd just stand there and talk and smile and talk and she'd do that and she'd stand there for three, four minutes like that. 
Then she'd move along, you know, and then she'd go, she'd go next to Janet, my wife, and she'd reach out and put her hand on her head and talk for a little while. And, and then there was some other music team that was with us, and she'd go lay hands on them. And, and uh, you know, of course, by about second or third night, she'd come by and lay hands on us, and I'd feel myself sliding down out of the pew. They had pews. And, and we're on the floor, and I'm toast. I mean, I am just, I am... Uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, uh, bless the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Yeah. With benefits is in italics. You can take that off. Just bless the Lord who daily loadeth us. Yeah. And we were getting loaded with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And so, so anyway, this went on for a week. And uh, man, we, we'd have trouble getting, actually had trouble getting back to the hotel after the service at night. We just got, we're just good and what, what the Acts, you know, see in the book of Acts, these men are not all drunken as you suppose. They were drunken, just not as you suppose. So anyway, so, uh, you know, so I, all I know is we saw two things happen. She, walked, she, worked, she ministered like that. And then also the Holy Ghost come on her in some other services and she'd stand up and she'd sing you know, we, we have word of knowledge that operates in services. You know, we, we've all watched that happen a lot in the church world. Well, she, she'd start calling out words, but she, instead of calling it out, she'd sing it out. And she wouldn't sing out one, wait for somebody to come forward. She'd just sing it out. She'd sing out, you know, 20, 30, just different. You know, somebody's being healed of this and somebody's being healed of that. And, and she, but she'd get done. She'd say, now, now, if that was you, and you can either see a total healing or a partial manifestation of your healing, come up here for, and, and give a testimony. Well, I mean, they'd, they'd line up, clear down to the back of the church. Didn't lay hands on anybody. She'd just sing that out. And gifts of healings and word of knowledge. And it'd just flow like that. So we watched that. We watched her getting people drunk in the Holy Ghost. People had to be carried out of the building. People give them rides home. Well, what happened was all of a sudden we, we left there. And our next meeting was in uh, Texas. We finished Michigan, went back home to Tulsa, and then we went down to Texas to do a meeting there uh, just outside uh, San Antonio <laughs> in, in uh, New Braunfels. We're doing a meeting down. Knew the pastor been there before. We get up to have a start the service. We had praise and worship, and then we got a music team with us, and they're ministering in music, and they're just, you know, we're having a wonderful time. And I got up, and I thought, okay. And, and I told them ahead of time, I said, I don't know what's going on, but something happened up there in Lansing. Something happened. I don't know what it is, but get ready for anything. Our lives are going to change here in the next uh, near future. Yeah. We got in that meeting and I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm used to doing a nice teaching message and then give an altar call and lay hands on the sick. I'm used to all that. All of a sudden I get up and I'm trying to do what I normally do. And all of a sudden I'm watching and people are falling out of their chairs on the front row. People are, they're, 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 people are falling every direction. They're just falling out of their chairs. What we'd call drunk in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, they're falling out. And before long, we got people lined up everywhere. We're laying hands on folks. There's one dignified pastor from another church was there. I look over and he's doing somersaults across the front of the church. I looked at the pastor. And I said, I didn't do this. I didn't. I just didn't know. I don't know what's going on. I never had this happen before. But we did that, I think, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. By the time we hit Wednesday night, there were a couple other churches in town canceled their services and came over to the church, packed the place out. We're laying hands on people two, three hours. We're laying hands on people. And people come up and they go, hit me again. Hit, hit me again. I want, a, I want a double. Hit me again. I'm telling you. And it was just wild in there. Just just crazy wild in the Holy Ghost services. People getting uh, rip-roaring filled with the Holy Ghost. Like they did in the book of Acts when it says, these men are not all drunken as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. 
And so all of a sudden, that started happening, and I thought, where where'd this come from? And I thought it came from sitting on that front row in Lansing, and uh, with Mama Vicky putting her hands on us, and and then we'd have services. I mean, out of the clear blue. I'm, I know better than to sing things out. But I'd get up there, instead of calling out word of knowledge, all of a sudden, I, I'd find myself just, just, it'd start rolling out of the inside. Just 10, 15, 20, 25 different things being healed. And I'd do the same thing. I said, well, you know, I just did what I saw Mama Vicky do. If you can tell the difference, come up and come up and tell us what it is. People line up, clear down to the back of the building. People healed of all kinds of things. And I thought, where'd that come from? And I began to realize God, through the laying out of hands, made impartations. He made deposits into, into, into our lives. And, and uh, that went on really pretty much for five years. We went all over the world. We went all over Europe, Eastern Europe, Northern Europe. We went into Asia. We went into South America. We'd take this team and we'd go in and it was so tangible, so real. We had these wild Holy Ghost meetings everywhere. And in the middle of that, people are getting healed in their bodies. We're laying hands on people to get them full of the Holy Ghost and they're getting healed in their bodies. Amazing things are happening. So anyway... So, um, but God did all that through, through the laying on of hands. He made deposits, impartations into our lives. Uh, we were right about that same time. I'll finish with this. About that same time, <clears throat> we, uh, we were doing a meeting in Ohio. We're at a ch- large church in Ohio, fairly large church in Ohio, doing a meeting up there. And uh, I was thinking about that, that deal with John Lake with that handprint. I was thinking about that. You know, I've been thinking about that. Well, anyway, didn't think a whole lot more about it. But anyway, we're doing this meeting. And, and um, um, there was one of the ushers. He was a single guy, probably mid-20s maybe. Uh, one of the ushers in the church. He was sitting right over here on the end of the, of the front row. He, and, and, you know, he was, he was um, doing his job. He wasn't going to get distracted with anything. And so, you know, I, so all of a sudden I found myself doing like Mama Vicky did. I'd go over, you know, and he'd be sitting there. He'd just be straight. He'd look, be looking straight ahead. He was the one. Of the, he was in security on the security detail. He'd be looking straight ahead. Well, I went over there and I just stood there and put my hand on top of his head, and I just kind of kept talking and talking and talking and went back a little while later and I put my hand on his head and, and I'm talking and talking and talking. I, and I turned to walk away and all of a sudden I heard this racket and I saw him jump to his feet and did a full lap all the way around the church. He's he's doing a lap around the church and I thought, well, he got something. And after the service, a bunch of young people went. There's an Italian restaurant there, and they'd go. It's open late, and they'd all go there. And they told us later, they said, we all went to the restaurant and said he was so fried he couldn't drive. They got into the restaurant, got him sat down there, got him a plate of food. And he said, he just sat there, and he said, who's got their hand on my head? And they said, nobody's got their hand. Somebody's got their hand on my head. Who's got their hand on my head? Who's got their hand? He's like, I can feel it. It's hot. Somebody's got their hand on me. It said, nobody's got their hand. What happened was the Holy Ghost did that very same thing. It didn't get burned a quarter inch into his scalp. But at the same time, it was like fire came on him. And when it hit him, it got into his feet. He did laps around the building. And uh, boy, I'm telling you, the rest of the meeting, he was a different person. God makes impartations. Whether it's to get us filled, whether it's to get us healed, whether it's to make deposits into our lives for service, for the things of God. So uh, anyway, let's uh, stand to our feet.